This is a podcast by The Straits Times. This is Asian Insider and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now, United States Secretary of State Mike Pompeo found time earlier this month to visit Japan to attend a meeting of the Quad. The Quad was started in 2007 as a quadrilateral initiative and championed by Japan's then Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. It is described as an informal security dialogue between like-minded democracies, specifically Japan, Australia, India, and the United States. But over the last year or so, it has been gaining in significance. On October 6th in Tokyo, Secretary Pompeo called on the group to collaborate against what he called Beijing's exploitation, coercion, and corruption. India's external affairs minister, S. Jayashankar, was a bit more diplomatic, describing the Quad as a group of quote, vibrant and pluralistic democracies with shared values, unquote. Australia's Foreign Minister Murray Spain and Japan's Foreign Minister Toshimitsu Motegi made similar points on a peaceful and inclusive Indo-Pacific, but without specifically naming China. Then just a few days ago at the India-US Forum in New Delhi, US Deputy Secretary of State Stephen Began said India and the US had been too cautious and that the Quad could be expanded. Quad partners could deepen engagement with ASEAN countries, for example, to cooperate in defending maritime freedom of navigation and work together in other areas as well. The Quad, he said, is a partnership driven not by binding obligations, but by shared interests. But more recently in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi said in his view, this is part of Washington's effort to build an Indo-Pacific NATO. And this would, in fact, undermine regional security. To discuss all this, we have joining us today Robert Manning, Senior Fellow with the Scowcroft Center for Strategy and Security at the Atlantic Council, and Tanvi Madan, Senior Fellow and Director of the India Project at the Brookings Institution, both here in Washington, D.C. Thanks, both of you, for, for joining us today. Good to be I on must, the show, Nirma. Pleasure. Right, and I must explain uh, that I'm actually not in D.C. personally. I'm in Miami right now covering the U.S. elections. <laughs> Forgive me for the sort of bland backdrop. Bob, if I may start with asking you straight out, is Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi right, at least to some degree, in his suspicions? Is the Quad beginning to look like a nascent or embryonic NATO? No, I think that's um, typical Chinese paranoia. I think that it's still an aspiration uh, more than, and it suffers from the same vulnerability of a lot of uh, that Asia does in the sense that there is no collective security mechanism. Uh, as you know, for since World War II, it's been the network of uh, US bilateral alliances that have underpinned the regional security. That's changing, but it's not in the quad. The quad is still a consultative mechanism. And I think it's driven more by people repelled by China than it is towards a positive uh, shared agenda. Tanvi, Stephen Began said India and the US have been too cautious. One could probably argue that the US is no longer that cautious, but what about India? Has there been a uh, change in India's strategic thinking in terms of more deeply engaging with the Quad? The, the fact that the Quad was revived in 2017 after kind of it, it there was a it kind of died um, um, an early death in um, 2007, it barely lasted a year. I think that in and of itself tells you that India had decided that it was time to revive something like this. And I agree with Mr. Manning. I think 
you know, while the Quad is not all about China, if China was sticking to the rules-based order, and if the countries didn't feel uh, that uh, it was it was behaving in a manner uh, that went against uh, uh, and was actually creating instability in the region, I'm not sure the Quad would have been revived. But I think uh, uh, for the last few years, and as this uh, this past year has shown, uh, with Chinese assertiveness, not just towards India vis-a-vis uh, -vis Japan, Australia, but also a lot of Southeast Asian countries, not to mention Canada, uh, and others, that there is a sense that Chinese assertiveness uh, has been growing uh, and uh, that a certain kind of like-minded countries, a coalition of the willing and capable, if you will, uh, will, will sit down together in one platform, not the only platform, because each of these countries have relations with a number of other, the number of trilaterals and bilaterals in place, uh, to actually try to shape a favorable, favorable balance of power in the region, uh, to try to shape Chinese behavior so it's better than it is, uh, but also I think to try to maintain a rules-based order. So in, in the sense of the positive agenda you saw in the, agenda, in the statements that the four sides put out, you could actually put together what their positive agenda is, maritime security, HADR, uh, cybersecurity, talking about recovery and resilience uh, post-COVID or as we're living with COVID, uh, and a number of other issues, uh, including you know, some specific ones, for example, for Australia mentioned uh, critical minerals, um, the US mentioned counting, countering disinformation, others talked about making sure there's safe and effective uh, uh, vaccine uh, distribution. And then all the countries talked about quality infrastructure, again, without mentioning China, uh, but an allusion to uh, the Belt and Road Initiative, which some have criticized, uh, for its impact on countries' economies and environment, environments, uh, amongst other things. So, Bob, Stephen Began uh, said in Delhi that the Quad should actually be expanded. How likely is it that the Quad can be expanded? I'm not sure what he means by that. I think the, the way I mean the, the way I think about it, institutions form should follow function. And so a number of the issues that were raised, for example, quality infrastructure, I think Japan has taken the lead on that by essentially going to the Chinese and say, well, we're all for infrastructure and we're happy to work with you as long as there's standards of accountability and transparency. And I think uh, the speech that Xi Jinping gave last year sort of conceded that uh, the Belt and Road hasn't been working out so well, and the, the combination of corruption and failed projects and uh, non and, and so on um, are, are leading to a, a little more openness to other participation. And I think that's an opportunity that we, the, the countries in the Quad and others, uh, including Europe, ought, ought to be thinking about to try to push to try to create a, a, a better sense of norms on, on an infrastructure for which there's a huge need in, in, in Asia. But I think a lot of, a lot of these issues, the, co the, 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 the coalition around them is issue specific. Certain countries bring certain things to the table on some issues and not on others. So when they start talking about 5G and the quad, nobody brings anything to the table besides the US and Japan really on that. That's not the right forum for that. But you can, you can envision a coalition that would include Korea, which has enormous capability on, on telecommunications and others uh, building 
the, the next phase of 5G, that sort of thing. So I'm 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 sort of skeptical that you're going to have some overarching structure that's going to do all these things. If I could get to you now, um, do you concur? What is your view on the future of the quad? It really depends in terms of what you're measuring, what you expect the quad to do. Um, you know, if you expect it to be the one-stop shop, the Asian native. Uh, that the Chinese keep kind of envisioning it as in some ways. It is not that. It is not intended as that. Uh, that's not what it's supposed to do. Each of these countries, as I said, uh, is part of, or would be part of what uh, the UK, for example, has proposed a D10 to talk about 5G. Uh, but they do talk about 5G and critical infrastructure in the Quad, not least because Australia was the first country to actually take uh, action to limit um, uh, Huawei and ZTE's uh, uh, kind of involvement in its 5G network. India is close to making that decision and would be a huge swing state in terms of that decision, not to mention, as Mr. Manning said, US and Japan. Um, so I think it really depends on what you expect the Quad to do. And I don't think it's, it's envisioned to do everything. I think what it is, is to find these areas. And a lot of the, their discussions, I suspect, are just exchanging assessments about China, which I think has value on its own. Uh, but I think when you think about expansion, there are a couple of ways to think about it. I'm not in favor, for example, of including more countries into the quad framework per se. I think this is these four countries make sense for a variety of re reasons. Uh, but I think you have seen, for example, um, them in different uh, configurations work with other countries. So, for example, on different in different ways. So. Uh, the US, so Australia and India, for example, had a trilateral as well as a maritime security working group with Indonesia. Uh, US and in India and Japan uh, did a week-long group sale uh, with the Philippines through the South China Sea last year. Uh, the US, Australia and Japan have exercises uh, both uh, uh, in the Western Pacific with South Korea and then did one last year in the Bay of Bengal uh, with the French. Um, and so I think the, the idea is to maybe bring in different countries in different ways or take part in these other coalitions. Uh, but I think there's also a, a way of expanding it in terms of uh, forums. So, you know, the Quad itself uh, meets at the working level, so assistant secretary uh, state level, um, but it also meets at the ministerial uh, to have these co comprehensive dialogues. Having said that, you also have, for example, specialists, subject matter specialists, whether that is cyber experts, the Quad cyber experts meeting, on the sidelines of certain summits. You have them, for example, um, uh, discussing uh, very specific issues, whether it is kind of maritime security or regional uh, infrastructure. Um, and so you are starting to see it expand in terms of the issue areas and then get subject matter uh, special specialists to engage in kind of deeper discussions uh, on these matters. There, for example, been some discussion about having uh, the development finance, uh, uh, in, uh, you know, kind of specialists from each country meet uh, in this regard as well. So I think there are different ways of envisioning it. But uh, while I'm skeptical of those who either uh, uh, threaten a NATO or want a NATO, and I don't think that's what it's going to become, this is going to be part of kind of this network of partnerships uh, moving away from the hub and spoke model that used to be the case uh, in the Cold War in Asia. Uh, and I think it'll be one of many. Okay, uh, Bob, if I may get to you now, the inevitable question arises with this sort of newfound enthusiasm for the Quad, driven in no, large, uh, in, in no small part by the U.S. Will this continue if President Donald Trump does not win re-election and we have a new president in the White House? Well, I don't see any sign of change on China's uh, 
either predatory trade and industrial policies or its uh, military assertiveness. So I think that's what's driving it. And I think you'll see the same trends of the trend towards uh, uh, reshoring or nearshoring supply lines as a result, not just of China, but of the COVID crisis. And so you're going to see uh, like-minded countries building more uh, interrelated uh, supply chains, you're going to see, uh, in addition to that, um, on, on, on cyber, you're going to see efforts at, at uh, networking on cybersecurity. And I think networking is the key word to think about because the quad is just uh, is one element of it. But if you think about over the last decade, the enormous explosion of Asian security cooperation, whether it's Japan and India, India and uh, Vietnam, you have all these networks forming, some in involving the United States and some not. And I think that, that to me is, is the reality of Asian security cooperation and the form is less important. I mean, I mean think of all the uh, alphabet soup of Asian uh, institutions the arf the admm the eas uh -huh. they're do they're not even involved in any of this and you in fact it's it's ironic to me because i've been asking the same question for 20 years if all these institutions disappeared would asia be less secure and my answer is still probably not and but but the, the stuff that's going on on the ground that was mentioned exercising uh, equipment exchanges and so on that that's that's the hardcore reality and the quad may facilitate that but it's going on inside and outside the quad okay tanvi last i'll get to you for the last 30 seconds uh, if i may so uh, do you also foresee the quad sort of solidifying and becoming a, a really important uh, part of uh, what you know bob's called the sort of alphabet soup of networks and arrangements in asia uh, even if President Trump uh, loses the White House. It will really depend on uh, uh, two or three things very quickly, uh, whether or not uh, the four countries continue to find it the best kind of mechanism uh, for this for these discussions to continue. And second, bandwidth issues. And related to that is the question of, uh, you know, how a, a, an administration will uh, think about time and resources spent on this and, and other issues. But I think the countries will also, and I think a Biden administration potentially, while maybe not kind of moving away from the Quad, I think will seek to, and I think the Quad, uh, especially Australia, Japan, and India, have been trying to reassure the Southeast Asians that this is not an exclusive, only the only platform around. They've tried to bring in, for example, Vietnam, South Korea, and New Zealand into a Quad Plus discussion on COVID uh, that met uh, weekly. So I think. Uh, if the Biden administration gets the sense that this is useful from uh, a number of different ways, maritime security, et cetera, you've seen some people like former Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, Michelle Flournoy, in fact, talk about it as, as, uh, as something worthwhile to try to reestablish deterrence in Asia. Uh, but I think it will have to, uh, to uh, there'll be some discussion about the resources and bandwidth it requires and, and the trade-offs um, that will require with other platforms. Uh, and is it manageable? while doing other things as well that the Biden administration wants to do in the region. Okay, excellent. Tanvi Mother and Robert Manning, thank you very much again for your time. 
So the Quad has been around for a number of years and uh, is now a significant part of the architecture of arrangements in the Indo-Pacific and will be watched very closely by the international community, by Asia and specifically by China, as we know. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirmal Ghosh. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.